social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to the John DePietro Show. John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. We have made it to Friday. Crying out loud, my goodness, what a storm last night. Hope everyone is okay with all the wind. And uh, there was very, very heavy rain. And um, <clears throat> folks, as we uh, move into Friday and the weekend, things remain very unsettled overseas regarding the situation with Russia, Ukraine. We're going to get to that. There's also uh, interesting debate that's happening right now on this Friday. Folks, remember, in this portion of the program, brought to you by Bronze Pastry Gourmet. Stop it and see them, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. They're open right now. They're open tomorrow. Delicious calzones, free coffee, police, and military, and they have the very popular Let's Go Brandon Donuts. But I want to get to this uh, Channel 10 story about the maybe leaf blowers may be banned in Rhode Island, of all things. Let's hear that story. could become a thing of the past. As winter will soon turn to spring, this is the sound that will be in the air, either personally or a number of them at once from your landscaping crew. Whatever having old-fashioned rakes. If you could take a big commercial blower and you're a homeowner, you could gain hours of your weekend to do enjoyment. But following California's phased-in, all-out banning of the gas-powered blowers by 2024, Rhode Island State Senator Sam Zurier, citing both environmental and noise pollution, says the Ocean State should do the same. The General Assembly enacted last year the Act on Climate to bring us to a zero-carbon future in 2030. This looked like it was a step in the right direction. The value of battery-powered leaf blowers, the price on those, and the performance has gotten to the point where they can be a substitute for gasoline-powered ones. Now, here at Kent County Lawnmower, they say there are a number of issues with Rhode Island's proposed legislation. Jumping too fast to say, hey, we're going to mandate you just bought the $650 blower, and you can't use it in a year. I just don't think it's fair. It's estimated the power source on battery-powered ones on the market now lasts 30 minutes each. Doing rough numbers, Zurier says batteries and chargers for landscapers would only add a few dollars per job. Too soon to even know any of that stuff. Zurier says a companion bill in the House will be reconciled, go to committee, followed by public hearings, compromises, and hopefully a vote. People from across the state will be able to present their views. R.J. Heim, NBC10. You know, <clears throat> I, um, I could ma- actually make an argument either way. Number one, they're wildly effective. Number two, I think it's more of a, a noise pollution thing. It is. Uh, maybe regulate them used during a certain time. But it is, um, I can see where people would get upset that constantly their neighbors or someone like that. You, I, I think it's more of a, a noise ordinance. I think that's what it, I believe that that's what it, it comes down to. And I, I will notice, I mean, listen, they're wildly effective. And anyone that says whatever happened to the rake is just not living in reality or seeing just how effective these these uh, gas-powered leaf blowers are. But at the same time, um, I, I, I don't know about banning them. In, in, I, I don't know if, you know, California is not exactly the type of state you want to be mimicking right now. All right, let's go to, and again, folks, things um, still remain very uncertain. People are trying to figure out exactly what's going on. This is from uh, Good Morning America, Terry Moran. Defense preparations are really accelerating. The U.S. government has expects concern about how ready they were, but from kids learning first aid and uh, bomb shelters being prepared to the government uh, putting out maps of where those shelters are, you do see uh, a seriousness of purpose now, and they need it uh, this morning. Russia keeping up the pressure, heavy shelling along that front line of that long-simmering conflict in eastern Ukraine between Russian armed separatists and the Ukrainian government. Uh, today, there was most shelling in months we are told uh, no report of injuries or deaths at this time but it is clearly an escalation and that worries the u.s government because one of the things they are concerned about is that what looks to be now a deliberate escalation in that conflict could be used as a justification for vladimir putin to attack meanwhile putin himself is meeting with the leader of belarus today those two are concluding their massive joint exercises just north of the border here all this 
of course, has Ukrainians on edge. Polls showing that Ukrainians now are really beginning to take seriously the conflict, although there's a lot of people who still, perhaps out of wishful thinking, think this is just Russia trying to intimidate them. Uh, tomorrow, Putin will oversee tests of ballistic missiles in Russia, another show of might and defiance. Holy cow, ballistic missiles. That does not sound good in any way. No, I, I think he's not. You don't build up like this. I think he's intent. He knows what he's going to do. Here's another piece as uh, U.S. officials meet key allies. Russian invasion fears grow. Not to start a war, but to prevent one. America's top diplomat peeling back the curtain on U.S. intelligence, accusing Russia of planning a full-scale invasion. It's unfolding right now, today, as Russia takes steps down the path to war and reissued the threat of military action. U.S. officials are expecting a worst-case scenario, bracing for Vladimir Putin's version of shock and awe. Russian troops going into Ukraine from at least three sides. Missiles spewing across the sky, special forces attacking the capital city of Kyiv, armed with a list of military and government officials to target. My sense this will happen in the next... President Biden saying Russia is increasing its troops along the border, not backing away as the Kremlin claims, and that they are looking to create an excuse to go in. The U.S. warning that Russia could stage a fake terrorist bombing or even a real chemical attack against civilians to justify an invasion. Wow. Now, Russia says they have no intention of invading, but it also seems clear they are not interested in compromise or de-escalation. In a letter to, to the U.S., they have restated their hardline demands, including that Ukraine never be allowed to join NATO. Now, Secretary Blinken is set to meet next week with his Russian counterpart, but the Russians have made clear if their demands are not met, they say they will be forced to take unspecified, quote, military technical measures. Cecilia, every... You know, that, um, and again, how about the fact that that um, what what our country has done, basically, is send the vice president. I mean, if there's one person you would not want in the mix here, it's Vice President Kamala Harris. As the Biden administration, folks, is falling apart at the seams. Now, this has different implications, and one of the things is it's rattling the market. Here's another piece from uh, ABC. Yesterday, a Russian invasion would have a serious economic impact, not just in Europe, but here in the U.S. Our economic correspondent, Deirdre Bolton, has more for us this morning. Good morning, Deirdre. Good morning, Michael. Many say that traders are either guided by greed or fear. These past 24 hours have been all about fear. The Dow dropped more than 600 points yesterday. The average American 401k retirement saver lost about $2,500 yesterday alone. So if there is an incursion, the first place Americans are likely to feel the pinch at the pump. Uh. Gas Buddy telling us we could see the price of oil move higher by 5 to $10 uh. per barrel. So that would translate to between five and ten cents more per gallon and of course keep in mind gas prices michael they are already about 40 percent higher right now than they were this time last year yes we feel the pitch at the pump and deirdre higher oil and gas prices that could mean overall make overall inflation worse it certainly could. And as we already know, we feel it every day. Americans are paying more for transportation, for food, for rent. All of those prices risk going higher. Michael? Again, this is um, <clears throat> this is one of the problems when you have a president who is is not feared. Let's face it, folks. President Biden, regardless who you voted for, he is wildly underperforming. He does not seem, as we've talked about, fully up to the job. And I I believe that Putin senses there's a weakness, there's an opportunity, and that is the reason that he is moving in. Now, um, I also want to make mention, I give a lot of credit to Attorney General Peter Nerona, and I'll tell you why. Because the decision that he came out with regarding not allowing this health care, this merger, um, that that even if you disagree with it, it took guts. It took um, it's so different than the way most of the Democrats at Smith Hill, most of the way just politicians operate these days, which is um, certainly without conviction, without a backbone, uh, a lot of pandering, a lot of just going to the, the loudest groups. Peter Naroda easily could have rubber stamped this thing and, and put it on its way. He had uh, legitimate questions about it. He feels that it would just create an unhealthy monopoly. And 
you know, listen, one, one thing is you need competition. It, it remains unclear where the Rhode Island healthcare system is headed. Um, you, you know, they're threatening they're going to close hospitals. They think it's an empty threat. I, I thought he, he, he deserves credit for that. Now, I know there's people that have problems with the attorney general regarding some of his views on some gun legislation. But at the very least, I think you have to admit it was refreshing to see someone step forward, knew it might be, you know, un, unpopular, but was still willing to say, I'm against this. Here's why I'm against it. And then uh, stick to his guns. Now, you have the complete opposite north of the border. Let's go to the latest now with the truckers. In Ottawa with more on the so-called Freedom Convoy. Trudeau Kenneth, is the worst. Good morning. A few big rigs left, but downtown of Canada's capital city is essentially locked down to traffic right now. A very large police presence around Parliament because after days of warnings, overnight Ottawa police moved in on this so-called Freedom Convoy and started to arrest protesters, including two of the organizers. For three weeks, truckers and others have clogged the streets, demanding an end to Canada's COVID-19 restrictions. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invoking the Emergencies Act to clear them out. Even at this bitterly cold hour, a few protesters left. But I can tell you, even some children here, Ottawa police say they are working to end this unlawful demonstration peacefully. But they do say that if these protesters do not leave, that they do have plans. My you know what also is frightening, folks, is not only that, but the uh, interim Ottawa police chief, how about this? This is unimaginable. Stealing children from their parents, canceling all civil rights. That's not how you resolve a dispute about public policy in, in what's supposed to be a free republic. Trudeau has really thrown off Canada. Listen, listen to this. I'm from TVA News in Montreal. When are you planning to intervene uh, for the kids uh, in the protest? So thanks for the question. One of the key concerns that we've had as we've planned and, and looked at how we want to proceed to end this protest is the number of children that remain in there. We continue to work with our partners from the Children's Aid Society and other social services to look at the best, most safest way to have children removed from the area uh, prior to any sort of police action. We've had members of our police service continue to engage with the protesters to identify that it is not a good place for children to be that they should make every attempt to remove children from the area all of our planning has been very considerate of the people that are within the demonstration zone including the children will they be the first to be removed as i indicated we've worked really hard to make sure all of our plans are very deliberate around protecting children that may be in that footprint boy when they start saying that they're going in because of the children uh, boy, that is that is to me that is reminiscent of of Waco, where the whole argument why they had to go in and burn burn down the Branch Davidians was you know it's the old Vietnam thing we had to destroy the village to save it. I mean that is now they're going to take those people are are peacefully protesting. This is um this is not going to end by the way. This is not going to end. Even though Trudeau wants to give rid of the protesters, this is not going to end. You mark my words. This has been a uh, pivotal moment north of the border in Canada. And the way that Trudeau has handled this, the way they have gone after the truckers, the way they have gone after the protesters and taking their money and freezing bank accounts and revealing the names of anyone that was uh, even being supportive of them, this is uh, this is really dangerous stuff. But it, it also goes to show I, I just I've always thought Trudeau was weak. And and this situation with the truckers has uh, really, really exposed it. Folks, a couple other stories now. Again, I want to play. Um, I think Channel 12 did a pretty good piece regarding Attorney General Peter Narona rejecting this lifespan canoeing merger. As I said, um, he's he's unique. I know some people disagree with him on certain policies, but this, this one took guts because 99% of Democrats in Rhode Island would have just rubber stamped it. So the fact that he even uh, vetoed the merger, I want to play a merger denied. This is a major, major story. I think Channel 12 did uh, a good piece on it, and I want to play um, 
just some of their uh, piece that they did last night. It's pretty extensive, but it's worth it. And this this has been a long time in the making. It would seem that that they were not sharing the information that Attorney General Nerona needed. Let's listen. This is uh, Tim White at Channel 12. Down. Under state law, the attorney general has regulatory oversight of hospital mergers. His announcement came well ahead of the March 16th deadline. Now, the 150-page decision was made public a short time ago, so we're still going through it. But Nerona's key concern was the new hospital group would control 80% of the state's inpatient hospital care. He noted the biggest hospital groups in Massachusetts and Connecticut control less than one-third of inpatient care in their states. Nerona also predicted that nearly all of Rhode Islanders would see their health care costs go up and access go down. Another key factor, Danielle, he said the merger, which was billed as a way to help the hospital system stay afloat, would actually put them in, quote, financial peril. So in other words, don't give us a set of objectives. Don't speak in generalities. Don't give us things that all sound good. Tell us exactly what you're going to do, where you're going to do it, who you're going to affect, and then let us know how you're going to pay for it. Uh, and as you'll see later, getting answer, answers to those questions proved to be elusive. Now, Danielle, it's hard to understate how big a decision this is. As you know, Lifespan owns Rhode Island, Miriam, Newport, and Bradley Hospitals, and uh, Care New England owns, of course, Women and Infants, Kent and Butler. So combined, Danielle, they employ 22,000 workers. And look, it impacts Brown University mm -hmm. as well, which was affiliated with uh, the deal academically. $125 million the school was going to put into this wow. proposal. All right, so Tim, the hospital groups obviously have a lot riding on this. I mean, does this attorney general decision today mean it's over yes well at a minimum i would say the proposal is in turmoil per state law lifespan and care new england uh could ask a superior court judge to review this the decision mm -hmm. so in other words this would be an appeal to the courts will they i mean that's no. the big question we'll see our colleague ted nisi is at that news conference right now so he'll be covering it throughout the day you know and speaking of ted nisi he filed a report on um, our social media pages just before noontime i mean this was a lengthy and expensive process this proposed merger here yeah. i mean a stunning uh, total i believe it's close to 28 million dollars for yeah. this process right? yeah they had a lot of skin in the game is yeah. what you're saying here both the hospital groups and as i said brown university and more bad news for both of them uh, ted also tweeted out a short time ago that one of the regulatory agencies that is looking at this are the feds, the FTC. Mm -hmm. uh, and he said that the FTC and the attorney general are actually going to file suit to block this merger. Wow. So that really tips the hand as to what the FTC is going mm. to decide on this one. Not good news for the proposal. All right. And the attorney general wrapping up his comments. We, of course, will have continuing coverage throughout the day on this stunning announcement. Folks, I, again, general. I think Attorney General Pina Narona, um, that was the Channel 12 report. Good job by Daniel North and and uh tim white but um attorney general peter narona was saying that you know in in massachusetts the largest group has a 30 percent share of the market in in mass in in um especially in the boston area in connecticut the largest group is th this would have been an 80 percent market share so eh, you know it does fall under the guide you know fall under that would basically be a monopoly and they took uh actions now again I, I don't know where that leaves things but it's not going to go forward like that all right we have a lot more ahead on this friday you're listening to the john DePietro show propane plus for heating and cooling call propane plus today in massachusetts 508-252-3359 in rhode island propane plus number 401-885-4209 it's the johnson family it's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and also now it's renewable online at propaneplus.com propane plus heating and cooling in massachusetts call the rehoboth office 508-252-3359 and in rhode island 401-885-4209 you can depend on propane plus
We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, since the pandemic began, uh, we we started to see this increasingly, and it, it was becoming pretty frequent, where you'd see this video of a lot of problems either at airport gates or on the plane and people fighting about masks. Uh, then they had the question, maybe they should shut down. People were drinking too much at the airport bar. And then I had a guest on that was saying that, you know, if you have two drinks at uh, the lounge, I, I think it multiplies by three. It's the equivalent of like having six drinks in the year. Well, anyhow, there seems to be increasing talk about a national no-fly list. I believe there's also, you know, someone gets tossed off a Southwest flight. They cause a lot of problems. Just now it's like one a month somebody's charging for the cockpit. Well, the, uh, the problem for the airline and some of the fighting that's going on is the next time these people are going to travel, they just they book a flight with, you know, United or then they book a flight with Delta or they book a flight with someone else. Um, how far along do you think this could go, a national no-fly list? And I'm just wondering if, in fact, this happens, what kind of recourse someone might have that, you know, they get tossed off, whatever, pick a, an airline, a Southwest flight there causing problems on the plane or at the gate or what have you. And then somehow they end up on, on a national no-fly list. Well, when I, when I, when I was reading about this, um, you know, it, the initial reaction was very uncomfortable with the prospect of a national no-fly list. Um, certainly we're all for airline safety. We don't want idiots up in the air making scenes, attacking stewardesses and doing other um, irrational and provocative things. It's, it's just not the way things can, you can't have this going on. But by the same token, without any legal process, you know, you want to think somebody might be intoxicated as they're carrying on and making a scene on a plane. How are you going to prove it? Right. How are you going to prove it? And let's assume it's a one-off situation. You're on a plane. Um, hypothetical. You know, you might be a little mouthy or sassy with the stewardess, and the stewardess is having a bad day, and he or she might give it right back to you, and you get into a verbal confrontation with the steward or the stewardess. And none of it's right, but both parties are escalating um, whatever is going on. Now the passenger, you know, is reported to the air marshals, dragged off the plane, arrested, yada, yada, yada. It may not be that the passenger is necessarily the solely, you know, culpable party in such a situation. Um, where does that person get their day in court? Where does that person get to bring in the um, accusing steward or stewardess to say, what did you say? What did you do? What were your actions? Yep. Um, without that, such a person could be subjected to what? A national no-fly list? Yeah. Now, airlines are private businesses. They can sort of set their own rules, but if somebody has a bad day and they're on a United flight, does that mean that American and, um, you know, Delta can all say, well, we don't want this person on our flights either. It seems to me that's going to spawn lots of lawsuits because I think it's a bit of an overreach. Um, I think the fundamental problem with all of this, you know, um, shenanigans going on in the air and shenanigans is probably not the right word it's bad things it's serious things it's dangerous things yeah but who respects authority look at what's going on with people who resist arrest they're not sure. getting arrested they're not getting yep. prosecuted there's no consequences yep. to bad acts so hey if there's no consequence to bad acts on the ground i'm sure people think well there's not really not going to be any consequence to bad acts in the air right and you know, people think they can do and say and behave any way they want without consequence. Yeah. Um, and, and, and until that um, mindset with many, many, many people changes, people don't respect cops. They don't respect school teachers. They don't respect any sort of authority. Why are they going right. to respect stewardesses? Yeah. Um, it's not right. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Tim Dodd, um, this other story and it's a terrible one, but um Mother, boyfriend, friend charged with murder of Pawtucket toddler who 
I mean, this this case is is uh, is obviously tragic and sad. But who ingested fentanyl? Um, I I did have some people I think sent me an email questioning on. Seemingly, it was an accident, but just uh, uh, the element of the murder charge. Um, it, 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 that also this seems to be uh, an unusual case. It is. It seems to me it's more like a manslaughter case, not a murder case. Yeah. Um, and this would not fall, I don't believe, under Kristen's law. That's, if you recall, that's the law in Rhode Island that says if a person sells an individual drugs and it can be proved that the drugs that were sold to the individual uh, leads to their death, that you could bring criminal charges for murder against, let's say, the drug dealer who sells the drugs to the person who ingests the drugs and dies. That Christian's, Christian's law requires an element of sale. You've got to sell the drugs to the user, and then the user ingests them and dies. Here, there's no sale. right? Um, so that law is not going to apply. So the question will be, was this an inherently dangerous you know, environment to have children who could easily, you know, ingest the very small amount of fentanyl, which is necessary to kill you. It doesn't take much. And apparently this was a drug house. There was drug paraphernalia. There was drug processing equipment, drug, drug packaging equipment. Sure. Um, there was no mistaking what was going on here. Yeah. And these three little boys were um, in that uh, environment. Yeah. One died. One of the brothers, I think, tested for having a high amount of fentanyl in their system. Um, is it a murder charge? I don't think it's properly murder. I think it's probably a manslaughter charge, um, but certainly a jail case. And I think that the system, the Attorney General's Department, will do its utmost to zealously prosecute these people because of the tragic consequences. And again, it's this kind of a case where you've got to sort of make a, a statement. Right. Um, you know, you, you can't be having these drug houses with little children running around who are going yeah. to be exposed to this, especially fentanyl. It's just ah. such a small, tiny amount can kill you. Yes. And even more so if you're just a little child. I mean, yeah. the amount that it would take to kill a kid um, is a lot less than what it would take to kill an adult. Um, it's just horrible, John. It's just a tragedy. Tim Dodd, what happened with the Sarah Palin New York Times case? I, I initially thought that, you know, that she was making, gaining good ground. First, the, the judge tosses out, but is letting the jury deliberate, and then the jury uh, tossed it out. I, I mean, but well, what, what, what are we to make of this? I, I was very uncomfortable with what the judge did here. Um, Certainly for Sarah Palin to um, win, because she is a, uh, a public person, you know, she's out there, she's been a candidate, she's not a, just some anonymous private citizen, to get a financial um, award against the New York Times, she would have to show actual malice that the conduct of the, all the folks involved in um, getting that editorial written and published acted um, with willful, wanton, reckless um, conduct um, and show actual malice. Now, the editor said, you know, gee, this one just got past me. Gee, it was a mistake. Gee, I wish we could have done better. Oh, no, I didn't have any malice towards Sarah Palin. It was just another story. Well, that's the same guy whose brother was a sitting Democrat senator, U.S. senator, I believe, from um, Colorado. Right. But proving malice, you know, you're certainly not going to get any of the New York Times witnesses to get up on the stand and say, oh, yeah, that was malicious. We wanted to hurt her. We wanted to right. trash her in, in the worst possible light. So now it's circumstantial. Now, when a case is tried... At the conclusion of the plaintiff's case, defense would move before they put on any witnesses um, for um, a directed verdict saying, judge, this case can't even go to the jury because the elements um, in the plaintiff's complaint have not been proved. Now, 
when there's such a motion made for a directed verdict, the judge can either grant it, um, deny it, or reserve ruling. And typically they'll reserve ruling, the judge will, to see what the jury's going to do. Now, if this judge had held his cards and let the jury rule, and if this jury was going to come back and find uh, against um, Sarah Palin and for the New York Times, the judge wouldn't have had to make this pronouncement. Yep. But what the judge did be, while the jury's deliberating, he says, well, I'm going to dismiss this case, but I'm going to let the jury come back and um, give us their verdict anyways, because it might be important when this case goes up on appeal. So before the jury has rendered its verdict, you know, the judge greets them. I think it was on Valentine's Day. He says, oh, happy Valentine's Day, members of the jury. By the way, I'm reminding you again, don't read anything about this case if you see it in the paper. Don't do it. Now, I don't think we'll ever necessarily know if any of the jurors might have read about, heard about um, the fact that the judge was going to dump this case anyways. Right, right. Would that have influenced their yeah. verdict? If they yeah. knew, then they're going to say, well, the judge is going to dump this anyways. So sure. screw it. Well, wow. We won't know that necessarily, but I think the judge really put his thumb on the scale by pronouncing that he was going to dismiss it before the jury came back. Normally a judge would hold that card and wait and see what the jury is going to do. Let's assume the jury had come back and awarded Sarah Palin X million dollars. The judge could have still taken it away from the jury saying, I'm acting as the 13th juror. I don't find that mal actual malice was proved by the plaintiff and I'm directing the verdict in favor of the New York Times. I just think that the judge um, kind of um, poisoned the waters by yeah. making his pronouncement before the jury came back. This is all going to go up on appeal. Mm. This judge, by the way, two years ago, granted the Times motion for summary judgment, saying, you don't have a case, Sarah Palin. Yep. Um, the um, Court of Appeals said, oh, yes, she does remanded it to this judge and said, try the case. So I don't think the judge really wanted to try this case in the first place. No. When he announced that he was going to dismiss it, he did have some harsh words for the New York Times. Right. But that gets lost in the, in the mix here. No one's yeah. going to remember that he chastised no. the New York Times. They're going to remember that he dumped Sarah Palin's case because she didn't prove actual malice. That's right. Tim Dodd, finally, uh, granted it's Canada, but uh, were you surprised uh, where Trudeau announced uh, this unprecedented action of freezing the bank accounts of the Freedom Convoy protesters? How is that possible? How is that legal? Well, it's Canada, so I really don't know how, how they run things up there. But in my view, it's the most despicable thing that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Apparently, this is something that they can do in Canada. But they, they have the ability to freeze or suspend any bank account without a court order, John, without a court order. Wow. The bank is acting in good faith. Wow. So I like what these truckers are doing. I'm in yeah. Canada and yeah. I write out a check to support them. The yeah. bank sees that I wrote a check in support of one of these trucker organizations and they freeze my account. Now, remember six months or so ago, you know, Congress was looking to put legislation into effect that would have given the IRS information about any any account, I think, checking account or bank over 600 bucks. Yes. So, do you think there's a good reason that we didn't go that route wow. if this is what can happen? I, apparently, I think it's either in Nova Scotia or Prince Edward Island. They want to have fines of up to $10,000 if you attend uh, any rally in support of the truckers and do any positive chants or sing the national anthem in such a way that it seemed to support the truckers, wow. they're also, I think, having a, a, a menu of fines if you wave the Canadian flag in support of the truckers. It's just out of hand. I mean, this yeah. is a country directly to our north, and this is really Soviet Union style clampdown. I mean, Justin Trudeau 
when this trucker uh, revolt started, he goes into hiding. He won't talk to them. He won't meet with them. Nope. And he pronounces, you know, I've been to many rallies and demonstrations regarding um, issues that I agree with. Oh, so if you agree with it, then it's okay. But if you right. don't agree with it, then what? It's illegal and you're going to clamp down on it and yeah. you're going to close people's bank accounts and fine them for showing up at protests? Wow. Where, where does that take Canada in the future? Yeah. Well, what, what, take either side. So you're pro-choice or you're pro-life. Yeah. And if the prime minister doesn't like your side of that argument, mm. Justin Trudeau said, I've been to rallies regarding causes that I approve of. Okay. So if it's one you don't approve of, what are you going to do? And if you're going to clamp down on these truckers, um, what's he going to do the next time there's a strike by any other organization, right? By any other union uh, that wants to go on strike. They're all a threat to the economy. So let's assume the, um, I don't know, the postal workers go on strike, the air traffic curlers go on strike. Teachers go on strike. Yeah. Sanitation workers go on strike. Is he going to do the same thing to them? Wow. If it's a, if it's an organized union, I'll bet you anything he won't do it. But this is sort of an unorganized, loose association of truckers, and he's really going after them with Gestapo-like tactics. It's it's breathtaking, John. I never thought I'd see anything like that going on. And what we all think is sort of a liberal, easygoing country in Canada, right. it's, it is not. It is really not. It's, it's scary. And we should be looking to the north to make sure that uh, the Biden administration or other states don't uh, take up the same tactics if this, um, this uh, trucker um, action uh, does come to the United States. Um, yeah. You would hope that we would do better than what they're doing in Canada vis-a-vis these truckers. I mean, what the media is reporting, how they're being characterized, um, and the full force of the confluence of government interests and media interests, it's scary and it's overwhelming. Folks, he he is our uh, legal analyst. It's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, great job as always, and we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. Make Henry Oil your oil provider this winter. Give them a call today. Call Henry Oil, 401-521-0200, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, serving most Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. You can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable, Fuel oil delivery, fuel fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery, residential and commercial, it's Henry Oil. Give them a call. Since 1947, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today. Make Henry Oil your oil provider. 401-521-0200. 401-521-0200. Remember, online at henryoil.com. Go with the original. Go with the best. It's Henry Oil. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, we continue our conversations with Dr. Rob Harrison. And Dr. Rob, during these uh, challenging times, uh, especially the winter time and everything going on with COVID, people get locked down. People are not seeing people as much. It can be a very challenging, frustrating time for people. That's why it's so important for people to realize, and especially family members that have men over 50, this epidemic of people doing harm to themselves, taking their own lives. And that's why more and more people are learning about mantherapy.org. Yes, John, uh, you're absolutely right. There is a, a huge problem with, uh, with middle-aged men, but with, uh, with adults of all ages, honestly, and of all sexes. But we're focusing, as we said, on, on middle-aged men. And man therapy is a great resource um, to help then kind of sort out where they are in their mental health problems and also uh, to look at resources that might be available for them. Dr. Rob, if you would be so kind as just to let people know, when people log on, whether it be a family member that could be concerned about a, a husband, a father, an uncle, a grandfather, a boyfriend, or the, the person himself, what are the types of questions that they're going to find at mantherapy.org? 
Well, a lot of times they're just going to try to, one of the best things to do is just for a man to take the 20-point head inspection. Uh, that will help a man figure out, am I just being feeling stressed or am I really suffering maybe from depression or severe anxiety or something else like that? That's probably the best place to start to kind of see where you are um, and if you need to kind of seek some other help or not. Uh, another great place to start is looking at some of the, the videos, the testimonials of, of men who have struggled with different problems and found that uh, there's a lot of help available if they are willing to uh, ask for it. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dr. Rob Harrison, and I want the listeners to understand that, you know, Dr. Rob, th- this is, it shouldn't be someone's imagination. Let's face it, th- these are difficult times right now. Number one, the winter time can be tough. And when we're getting, you know, feet by the snow, by the feet, not just the inch, that can be a challenge. But between inflation, between, you know, the ongoing battle with COVID, it, it's very understandable that people may start to really start to feel down, maybe lower than they've ever felt. But the good thing, folks, about mantherapy.org is it's designed specifically with men and helping both them to maybe get help and, more importantly, family members see some of the warning signs. Yeah, it, it is. And it, any any women out there who have a uh, men in their life that they're concerned about, <laughs> excuse me, um, this would be a, a great website to go to just to try to, to see if uh, it may have some suggestions for you that could be helpful. Well, certainly, you could encourage uh, your your male friend to uh, to also seek it, the, the website. It's so easy. It's always available. There's no stigma involved. Nobody's going to know that you went there. It's uh, it's just a great way to, to kind of investigate where you are and to seek some help. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dr. Rob Harrison, and I want the listeners to understand, you know, Dr. Rob and I, we fully recognize this is not an easy topic to to, to to broach with people, and people are very sensitive, but there is, without question, there is an epidemic of men, older men, uh, 50 and older, who are uh, taking their own life, and, and many times there are warning signs, there are ways that uh, there is, you know, people hear about CPR, and Dr. Rob, there's even a way that there is an employer or maybe a coach or maybe just a family member that they could take very simple that you offer that, as you talk about, it could save lives, and it's very easy and it helps people understand some of the warning signs. Yeah, QPR is, is a great training. Uh, it's, it's community-level training. Any adult uh, can take it. Any adult can help save a life. And I believe it should be just as required as, as CPR, uh, perhaps even more. I think QPR is more effective really than CPR at saving lives. Um, it, the, most of the trainings in, in South County certainly are free. I offer uh, free Zoom trainings uh, for the community the first and third Tuesdays of every month from 6 in the evening to 7.30, just an hour and a half. People are certified for three years as, as suicide prevention gatekeepers. And it's a, an evidence-based program. We know it works. We know the studies are behind it are solid. So um, you can go to healthybodieshealthyminds.org if you want to get a, a schedule of the, the trainings. And they can get the registration link there. Uh, as I said, it's free. Uh, I even had somebody from Las Vegas take the training with me a couple of weeks ago. He had heard about it from a friend in, in Rhode Island and uh, uh, was struggling with his uh, with a family member who was uh, uh, having difficulty. So um, this is a, a great free training. I think Again, I think every adult should have it. Folks, again, he is Dr. Rob Harrison. The website is mantherapy.org. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone and call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. Were you in an auto accident, someone damaged your vehicle? Folks, it can happen, whether it's people not paying attention, a drunk driver, people texting and driving. If you're ever in an accident, pick up the phone, call West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. They're located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. Remember, with West Fountain Auto Body, they're going to work for you, not the insurance company. Call them today. If you were in an accident, drunk driver, someone texting and driving, minor fender banner, even a nearly totaled vehicle, call West Fountain Auto Body today, 401-272-3340. They'll handle everything for you, the original, the best. And if you're in an accident and a tow truck pulls up, tell them, bring that car over to West 
Fountain Auto Body. 401-272-3340. 401-272-3340. West Fountain Auto Body. Located 400 West Fountain Street in Providence. They'll work for you, not the insurance company. If you're in an accident, call West Fountain today. Get it repaired. 401-272-3340. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, joining us on the line right now, he is the author of The Founder's Speech to America. We uh, want to welcome best-selling, critically acclaimed author. It's uh, Steve Robb. Steve, um, I'd like to start off just your thoughts on, boy, more and more people are saying that the country is polarized and almost feel that in some ways we're going through a new civil war. Mm. Well, John, first, thanks thanks for having me on. I I agree that the country is polarized, but it's not certainly not the first time that our nation has been polarized. I mean, the the founders themselves were often polarized, and there was a tremendous amount of vitriol vitriol and and, uh, even some hatred towards one another um, during the founding. And and, and emotions ran high, um, and they certainly are running high now as well. I think the difference would be this, that in the founding era – they agreed. They disagreed on policy and on things like the scale and size of government, limited government. Alexander Hamilton certainly believed in a larger federal government than Thomas Jefferson. Uh, but on principle, on the core principles of America's founding, uh, they they agreed in general um, and were able to sort through the belief that America was independent, that unlimited debt would take us out, that um, free speech and freedom of faith and that we must be a virtuous people to survive as a nation, uh, they, they all agreed on these things. And this is what the problem is today, is that we don't not only are debating policy, but we are debating the core principles of, and in fact, there is an entire segment of our population who truly does not believe in um, the American experiment, does not believe in the principles that founded this nation and are uh, leftist globalists who would be perfectly happy seeing America go away. That is, uh, uh, that's a different kind of threat that we face as a nation than, than perhaps we ever have before. So I, I certainly hope we do not descend into civil war, but I certainly do believe that extraordinary action must be taken. What would the founders think of what they now refer to as cancel culture? Well, I mean, Franklin said it. He said, whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation will begin by subduing the freeness of speech. I mean, he predicted it well. Uh, Those who seek to take out America uh, must require that patriots not be able to speak freely um, and and must do everything they can to shut them down. There's not an interest in serious debate, not interested in dialogue. Uh, they just want to take out uh, uh, the, the, those who they disagree with, and that's uh, that. That is dangerous, and and uh, and something that we have not seen. Now, Adams uh, certainly signed a law into place to try to squelch the enemies, but ultimately it it harmed him, and it it, it made it, it made him a one-term president when uh, when he went along with a movement to squelch the voices um, of the, of those he disagree with the. Uh, the, the anti-federalists and the Jeffersonians, uh, and and yet now, uh, now we now we we see it as just commonplace in our world uh, that that a, a even our president is for cancel culture, uh, and uh, and there is very little pushback on that, and that's uh, that's dangerous. That's a place that uh, takes us to another a whole another um, well something we haven't experienced before, and that is an entire group of people who are being shut down and, uh, and unable to express their views. Folks, we're speaking with author Steve Robb, author of The Founder's Speech to America. Steve, what about, uh, what are what would our founders think about the fact that, you know, there were statues being taken down, uh, buildings and schools named in people's honor? Uh, what, what, would, what do you think, what would they make of that? Well, I mean, they, they, that would goes right along with the cancel culture, that's, and that is just destroying kind of who we are as a people. Uh, you know, what Noel Webster said it best. He said, every child in America should rehearse the history of their own country. They should lisp the praise of liberty and of those illustrious heroes and statesmen who have fought a revolution in her favor. 
So, and, and he, and this is part of the speech, part of the, and, and this, and the book is the founder's speech to a nation in crisis, and it's available at all the platforms. Um, and the, and the book really is about what these, what the founders would say to America today. It really is built on the idea that if the founding fathers came back to America right now, surveyed this country, and then together wrote a single speech, what would they say to this country? And so I've crafted all from their own words, a single speech. So from the letters, from their documents, from all their writings, <clears throat> curated that into a single speech to America. And that's part of the speech <laughs> is Noah Webster talking about the critical nature of patriot education, uh, raising our children, raising up a generation that not only understands our history, but appreciates and loves the sacrifices made from whence we came and, 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 from, and then that's the only way we can know where we are going. So they would be absolutely aghast at the idea that we are tearing down statues because human beings are imperfect. If we tear down the statue of every imperfect person there will be no more statues in the world and we will have erased history altogether um and i think that's part of their plan is to is to literally erase history because the level of perfection that they seek um in humans shows a deep lack of understanding of human nature and if the founders knew anything they knew better than perhaps anyone that's ever <clears throat> mortal man that's ever lived and that is they understood human nature and they built safeguards in our government to defend our, us from us from the our nature to do things wrong but having said that they also loved people they loved humanity and they would never go along with the idea that we're going to tear down statues because a man is imperfect folks again he is steve robb author of the founder's speech to america Brother's Disposal. Call Brother's Disposal today. Get a purple dumpster for your driveway. How do you know it's Brother's Disposal? Because it's a purple dumpster. Look for them on Facebook and give them a call for an estimate. 401-688-0517. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe you're cleaning out your basement, your garage, unwanted belongings. Maybe you just have some things in boxes that you've never taken out. Clean it out with Brother's Disposal. They're also now offering weekly trash collection services. Call Brother Roland today at Brother's Disposal, 401-688-0517. Whether it's a small household construction project or you just need a dumpster to get rid of some unwanted belongings, call Brother's Disposal today. Come on, brother. Call Brother's Disposal, 401 401- Six eight eight zero five one seven. Look for them on Facebook. Brothers Disposal. Get a dumpster in your driveway. Four zero one six eight eight zero five one seven. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM thirteen eighty. 99.9 FM. Folks, remember you can always listen online at our website depietro.com. Check out the website depietro.com. We have original, unique exclusive stories videos content all our links to social media facebook twitter instagram youtube it's all right there and that's also the best way to reach me log on at the website depetro.com depetro.com into brood awakenings and discovered the brood difference two locations in johnston also in cranston pontiac avenue and then also bald hill road in warwick brood awakenings they're local Fresh ingredients, cozy environment, great comfortable chairs, delic delicious breakfast sandwiches, lunch, great drinks and coffee, and plenty of room to spread out and meet people. I'll see you, and you'll discover the brood difference at Brood Awakenings.